This is The Lowdown with Brave Mama, a community to hear you, see you, and support you on your journey living with pelvic organ prolapse. Hi there, it is Steph Thompson, your host here. We have invited two of the top women who I feel are the most qualified to be talking to us about pelvic organ prolapse. Kim Votney and Dr. Bree both have over 30 years experience not only working with women who have prolapse, but also have their own lived experience with prolapse. So really, is there any two better people to be talking about this than these amazing women? I'm going to put some links in the show notes where you can find out more information. What I want to do is just dive straight into this conversation. Dr. Bree, if you don't mind, I want to start with something that I heard you say this morning on Instagram Live that really just, it ignited something for me. And I think it's a great place to start. You said. Um, something along the lines of all of these things have happened to me with prolapse and you were very open-hearted but then you mentioned but I I know that other people have it worse and I didn't lose a baby or anything it's like oh see what we do to ourselves ladies we we really shrink ourselves down in comparison to other things but my initial thoughts were Brie we may not have lost a baby but my God, we have lost ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You know, that brings up so much because even as I was saying that this morning, I was like, oh gosh, who am I triggering by saying this? I was like second guessing everything that was coming out of my mouth and I was beating myself up. And then I was just like, Brie, move forward. People who are listening are going to get what you're going for here. And it's funny because I also you're right. I was minimizing myself. And this is a pattern that I think so many women can relate to. So yeah, I mean, wow, we could talk about that for hours, but. (laughs) But I think it's a nice place to start just to really recognize where we're coming from in this prolapse space. We are shying away from saying, I mean, I think I've spoken to Kim on her podcast. I just want to shout from the rooftops. I'm in so much pain right now. And no one can really listen because I can't express it very well. I don't know if I'm even going to get the help I need. So I'm just going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. And Kim, do you feel like the people who you work with, they have similar, like they say similar things to you? A thousand percent. And a- along with what you just said and, and what, what Brie was saying is that in, 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 in the world, there are so many things that are now considered triggers. And, and we read now so many messages that say trigger warning, trigger warning. And, and some of them will say trigger warning, infant loss. And I yeah. think, well, the, 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 that's just the trigger. And so the rather than having a world full of all of these things that we have to now trigger, how about we build some resilience so that when those triggers show up, we know how to move forward. And the exact same thing happens with prolapse is if we stop moving, if we stop talking, if we stop moving forward, mm-hmm. we aren't built building our resilience and our capacity for all the other things that will come our way. Right. Yeah. So, um, so when people, I, I hear it all the time that I'm, I'm afraid to move. I'm afraid to do this. I know I don't want you know, my partner to see, I don't, and, and, and they start to become so withdrawn in so many parts of their life. Yeah. And it's about helping them 
find the the small wins along the way that helps them see that they still have the capacity to move forward. And every time they do that, it is building more resilience. I love this conversation so much already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I, I just have this this gut feeling inside me that even myself have, like, just like Bree said, she was overthinking what she was saying and wasn't able to just be like, no, this is it. I actually feel this. Mm-hmm. And I think because we know we're dealing with women who are already vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our own experience with prolapse made us very, very vulnerable. So we're trying to be very gentle and very careful. But sometimes I feel like, and I'm, this is what my hope is, by the end of this conversation, women are hearing from both of you the things they need to hear, even if they're not quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just the healing piece that we now, like we've had three seasons of the show where we've talked about what prolapse is, how, how do you cause it, all of the, the things like this, this, this. But now I'm moving into this healing space of my own. I was like, how can I not share this part of the journey? How can we be stuck in that space of diagnostics and failure and um, shame and taboo when I'm not there per se myself, even though physically nothing has changed for me? Mm -hmm. Right. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. I want both of you to now talk about this healing piece in terms of Healing doesn't mean fixing. Healing doesn't mean fixing physical symptoms. And I think both of you both know that so well. Um, Can I start with you? Yeah. I love that when you talk about your head and body connection part, when for you did you realize that there's power in that for you yourself? Oh, ooh, that's a really tough question. Um, When for me did I realize that the that to heal is to make whole essentially yes yes <laughs> yeah that for me that's something that's been an interest for a long time this the the holistic approach has been something that's actually been a part of my life for a very very long time since i was actually uh 12 11 oh. 10 when i had a friend whose mom was really into oh gosh, angels and crystals and and all of these different things. And I just thought it was really interesting because that was very taboo in my house. It was definitely not okay to kind of uh, talk about that stuff. It was like ridiculous and woo-woo and, and all of that. So I think for me, I was always really intrigued by that world. And I'm going to say that really broad. I mean, that's not really what we're talking about right now, but at the same time, it ties in because I was always open to it. And I had had, excuse me, uh, before prolapse and pelvic health issues, I had had a lifetime of gut issues. And with the gut issues came mood and depression, depressive and anxiety issues. And I, and I realized the connection between my gut health and mental health quite early because of, of some of that stuff. And then when the prolapse came, it took actually quite a while to really make that connection, the mind-body connection with the pelvic health. But when I did, it was, it was already in there because I'd already made those connections from other areas of my life. So I think for me, it's been a long work in progress and just such a passion project that's been hidden on the side that I haven't really brought into my work wholeheartedly until recently. I love that you've shared that in particular yeah. because I want people to know who are listening right now, this episode is not going to heal you. No, we are not no. going to wave the magic wand as much as we would love to. 
It is a journey for a reason. And your journey has been for many years since you were 12. Oh gosh, yeah. People to, to keep, to come with an open mind that this is a journey you can go on. And right. these are some of the things you can do. So I guess if you want to join in here, Kim, and, and maybe suggest some of the things that you went through yourself, like some of the processes that you even did to get you to this point now. Mine was much later. Now I've, like Brie, I've always been fascinated by alternative health and wellness. I've always been into health and fitness and all the things from a very young age. That was always very true. I, I would say the mind-body component wasn't there for me until much later. It, it, I never even really considered it. So I started learning yoga and practicing yoga uh, in my early 30s. Even when I was doing that, it still wasn't really mind-body-ish, even though that was a, a big part or still is a big part of, of what yoga is. But I, wasn't, I, didn't, I wouldn't say I'd embraced it in that way. I just liked the movement portion of it. Yeah. And I also, I was always, I was a runner. I was a hardcore fitness. I was this. So even when I was doing yoga, I liked the power yoga. I didn't like the, the yin or the, you yes. know, I was like, We're, this is boring. This, and now I love that. That's the best part. But anyway, and so at the time I was like, how can we make this harder? How can we progress? And that's part of what was so scary and halted me when I had prolapse and found out about it was because I didn't have all the answers that I have, but part of it was even if like a lot of the answers that I have now were, were there, that was the information that was there. It just, I, I wasn't on the journey yet to, if that makes sense. And it wasn't until really me going through perimenopause where I started to really understand and appreciate the mind body more. And as I was, I had crazy, strange symptoms in my body, not just prolapse, but th that was what in, it really exacerbated and brought on my prolapse was the, the start of my perimenopause journey. And so I had all these weird things happening and I knew something was off. And now I, I'd never heard the term perimenopause. I knew that there was probably something hormonal. So I started to read all these books. And so anyway, over years, understanding female physiology, more in depth than I had before, understanding the influence of stress on your hormones, understanding diet, like everything. And as I started to just kind of address a piece at a time, little bits were better. I felt better here. I was now sleeping better. My stress was going down. I used to have crazy heart palpitations and anxiety for the first time in my life. And that started to subside. I started to do more um, like I would in my car, instead of having more kind of upbeat music, I would always have the spa station on and I would always be like mellow and I would be listening to meditation. You know, I started to do more calming practices and out of that recognize a lot of what I now use for terminology is we, there is strength in letting go. There is strength in releasing what we think is making us strong. Yeah. And yeah. so... So it was it was through that. So that was my early 40s, now 51. So over the last 10 years, it's kind of been lots of ebbs and flows along the way. It's such a journey. I, I feel like I'm going to say journey too many times today. Yeah, right. We recorded an episode um, just this week and I was just kind of introducing to where I'm at right now. And all I said was, I don't know enough yet 
but I've seen enough and felt enough from December last year, 2022, to want more and to want to know more. So this is for both of you and whoever wants to jump in first. If someone is just thinking, oh, I'm curious. I don't know this stuff. I don't know if I believe in the woo-woo in parentheses. Um, because I was a very black or white person. So if you didn't feel good, you run. If you don't feel great, you run harder. <laughs> mm. that, that hardened stuff that you were mentioning, Kim. Now, for someone who is just thinking, okay, I like the sound of this. I don't know where to go next. Where would either of you kind of recommend to, to start? Mm. I, I could briefly jump in. I'm sure Kim and I build on each other well. I think so, but... <laughs> Build on actually what Kim had just said, that pushing, pushing mentality, going, going mentality that I think so many people can relate to and, and I can as well. Um, but one of the things that's really helped my clients and has really helped people have a bit of a light bulb moment who mm -hmm. maybe aren't so sure about all this stuff is recognizing that a lot of the times their symptoms actually get worse when they are trying too hard with their physical therapy exercises, with their exercises from me, with whatever they're doing. And so I often tell them to try softer, to actually try a little less. Maybe yeah. when you're doing your kegel or when you're doing your core strengthening exercise, you are over gripping, you are over clenching your muscles because you're trying to be a good student and you're anxious about what's going on. Yeah, a good student. And you're anxious about your situation. You're anxious about the healing journey that's ahead of you. You're anxious about if it's going to work or not because you've had so many failures in the past and oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. And so your body's already amped up. And so you're already at this level of like activation. Yeah. And so then you're like, okay, I've got to recess to zip up my core. Okay, I got to get that pelvic floor going. Okay, I got to pull in those. <laughs> and you're just overly doing all of it and you can't figure out why. Your symptoms are getting worse. You're feeling this downward pressure because you're overgripping your upper abs. You're feeling this increase in prolapse symptoms because you're clenching the hell out of your pelvic floor and it's yeah. squeezing around your shifted organs so it makes it more sensational. So I, I really encourage people often to try softer and to not overgrip. And they, that is usually a, a great thing that helps them make the connection between the fact that they are amped up, overactivated, and maybe trying a little too hard and actually slowing down can be helpful. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that's because they're trying to fix it? They're yes. trying to fix the prolapses in, they're trying to reverse all of the physical symptoms so hard. And I know we're laughing, but I'm laughing because it's awkwardly so true. What I've been there. I've done it. I think they're trying to fix it and they're trying to do it quickly. They yeah. want it to happen now. And they yep. think that if they try harder and do more, it will happen. It'll get better sooner. And unfortunately, yeah, no laughing at anyone here because we've all been there. And we've, I only say this through experience and through working with people and through working with myself that it takes a while and, and it won't happen faster if you do this insane, you know, <laughs> insane yeah. overdoing it thing and actually backing off is often so helpful. I think of it like the, sorry, Kim, I'll shut up soon, but no, I think of it like, that's like the stuck drawer, you know, if a drawer is stuck and we just pull and pull and pull and it's nothing's happening and we keep pulling harder and the drawer is just getting stucker. But sometimes if we just slow it down or push in a little bit first and then gently slide it out, it's easy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I find that with healing and with the body as well and with seeing results. We sometimes need to slow down to speed up. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, when when I found out I had a, a, a prolapse, I had already been working in pelvic health for a while. So I, I, I was very familiar with what, what prolapse was. I had no symptoms leading up. Mine was, um, well, I had two types of prolapse, so a rectocele and a uterine prolapse. And the rectocele, I I knew like uh, from a, an exam several years before, they said there's an early stage rectocele, but I had zero symptoms. I just kind of, I knew that it was there and wasn't, didn't bother me at all. And then one day, this is several years later, one day having sex with my husband, it felt like he hit something and it was, oh, and, and I said, felt like you hit something. He goes, yeah, I feel like I hit a wall. And, and I went to see my physio who I hadn't seen for probably, I don't know, I, I meant to say, I think it was probably six months or so. So I go back to her and she's like, yeah, your, your uterus is moving south. And if I think back to that time in that moment, I, I knew what prolapse was and I was certainly not happy with this, mm-hmm. but I also had some, uh, I have knowledge. So knowledge is powerful. So I said, okay, I I can do something about this. If I if that had happened, if I had had that prolapse diagnosis several years before, I feel like my reaction would have been much different. It, it would have totally sidelined me, I think. And that's the experience that I hear from people is how I think I would have been had I not had the knowledge that I had. Sure. Um, but in terms of kind of to the the question that you had asked is, where we would, where I would start. If I look back to what helped me over the years, I absolutely, at the beginning and around that same time, I learned hypopressive and I was like, I'm going to hypopressive after every pee, after every poo, I'm going to do it 15 times a day. I'm going to do my, like, I was obsessed thinking, okay, if I feel any sort of pressure, I'm hypopressive, I'm going to do it and I'm going to reverse. And I was so desperate to, to, to fix it. Part of which one, because of my own body, but two, because now here I am a professional and am I going to lose the confidence of the people that I'm teaching because, oh, well, that means what you are doing and t- teaching me doesn't work. Right. right. So there was an extra level of wanting to, I need to fix this. I got to fix this. But for me, it, it, it certainly wasn't linear. But um, when I look back on it, the biggest thing for me and where I would start people is with sleep. I know that sounds weird. I'm not a sleep coach, not a sleep coach at all, but I will give people some people, some resources to optimize sleep because when we are sleeping better than everything else in our life becomes a lot easier to tackle. And I wasn't sleeping well from hormones, from stress of running two companies. Now I have this prolapse diagnosis, like all these things that I was, my sleep was terrible. Yeah. And, and now I sleep really, really well, thankfully over the years of doing lots of things to get me here. But that's where I would start with somebody is sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're you're saying that, Kim, it makes a whole lot of sense because I think not all, but there's a a big group of women who, when I first was diagnosed, were brand new mums. So we know that Mm -hmm. brand new mums don't sleep. Not sleeping. Deprivation is at the next level, you know, mental health space. So then getting a prolapse diagnosis on no sleep. Yeah. I don't believe that your brain can even compute what what is happening? Where do I go? Where do I start? So this is just my, my like what's coming to me now is my intuitive pull is to 
if someone is just newly diagnosed, would you say, because I was recommended to go straight to physiotherapy, right? That was the first protocol. And then I eventually worked out that I needed some psychology Mm -hmm. as well. Would you agree that maybe both of those things simultaneously could be more beneficial because maybe mums won't go from, I need to physio fix this now because I need to get on with my life as a new mom. But then having that psychology part might be a, a benefit. I don't believe that it's being offered. Like I don't, I don't know. In your experience to either of you, do you know if mom, new moms who have been diagnosed get that offering? Not to my knowledge, unless Not unless the practitioner, like some, do, there are many physios who do have those resources that they would be referring out, but it's mm-hmm. certainly not something that I think uh, or that I know of or have heard of. But I, I would kind of, if I look back now where I started with my business is I was, how I started in this world of pelvic health was I was afraid of tearing in childbirth and my midwives had recommended a product to me. And I used that and I had a good experience. And I thought, why isn't everybody using this? And I started a little side thing. And that's eventually now what turned into my business. So I I have always come from a prevention mindset. And I think part of what is so devastating by a prolapse diagnosis is because never, ever has anybody told us that this could happen. Never. And when we think about some of the things that maybe were in our birth or that were in our pregnancies, if we had had some knowledge ahead of time, and were able to prepare for and also then knew what we would do if this was a reality, then we would have, we would have, again, that power of, okay, I know what to do. I know who to go see. And right now we, we walk away saying a prolapse, prolapse, what you come home, you, what do you do? Google it, (laughs) which is the scariest place in the entire world. And Mm -hmm. then you hear there's so much conflicting information. Oh, you can't lift, you can't run, you can't do the, the, and then if they have a brand new baby, what do you mean? I can't, I can't lift my baby. I can't lift my stroller. I can't. And so it's just like further, oh my gosh, my life is ending, right? So if we were educated about pelvic health from a young age, Mm -hmm. when we're learning about menstruation and sex and body health, we have this amazing group of muscles and here's how we care for it through all the different stages. There's at least some seeds planted. And I think that could take a lot of the fear and overwhelm away. I don't want to, I don't want to, to, it's, it still is a devastating in many regards diagnosis for, for many people. But if we had more information ahead of time, I feel like it could help. And so to your question with those two, physiotherapy, in my opinion, should be something we do in our pregnancies. Anyway, part of standard practice postpartum. And in those conversations postpartum, whether it's the physio or whoever we're seeing would also be potentially recommending, or maybe even that becomes standard care too. You know, we think of postpartum depression. Uh, There's an amazing book that was written called um, The Postnatal Depletion Cure. Postnatal Depletion Cure, is that what it was? Postnatal Depletion something. Yes. Um, And it was, I believe it was a doctor in Australia. and, And it was just like, it was, it was such a good book, but just thinking reading that and going through all of that it it, we are left with we're just kind of here you go congratulations high five you got a baby we figured out and we need a lot more support and we and we don't need to be super mom and we we need and and would benefit from so much more than we get if you think about that 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 thought process that we as women know at some point in our life in our later years that we 
are likely to experience some form of osteoporosis, right? We're, we're, I'm educated about osteoporosis, but I'm nowhere near 70, 80. Yep. Prolapse, like you said, it just took you by surprise. And then you have to delve in and educate yourself. So you, I'm preached to teaching our children. And even I was thinking about you, Brie, when you were talking about having gut, gut issues from a very young age. Has there been some correlation between potentially these um, having some impact on your pelvic floor dysfunction? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and actually, I'm glad that, that we were putting a little pin in this conversation here because I do have some videos on YouTube that, you know, I'm not trying to self-promote here, but I, I, I made some videos. We watch you. One's called... Yeah, when's called littles, and it's actually like normalizing pelvic health conversation to the littlest ones, like three year olds. Yeah, very that. simple stuff. Really, mostly for the moms um, or par- caregivers of the little children. Um, but I also have two, a part one and part two, for teach our teens and young women. Um, cool. That's really met. It's it's basic information about pelvic health, and you know basic body mechanics, basic, basic, basic mechanics and basic anatomy and physiology. Um, they're very underviewed. I feel like they need to get out there. The word needs to spread. And the thing is, people, I, I get it that people don't really care until they've had something happen to them. I understand that. But I figure I might as well share it here that there are some videos on my YouTube channel. And I know there's other people have made things like this too. But I have one for little kids and then two for teens and young adults. Um, so yeah, I'm also extremely, extremely passionate about getting this information out to people before problems start, even though it's not as appealing for people to talk about, they need to know because there's nothing in health education, nothing in sex education. Well, there really isn't sex education. It's just, no, don't get pregnant. Don't get a disease. You know, <laughs> like it's terrible. <laughs> My son's going through it right now. He's 15, almost 16. And I see what he learns in school. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, so um, wanted to share about that. And then about pelvic or excuse me, gut health issues, absolutely a lifetime of constipation. That was my main problem was IBS constipation prone was prone was my diagnosis, which really doesn't mean anything. But I had a lifetime of constipation issues and all of that straining. I'm sure contributed to the ultimate prolapse, the cystocele that I developed after the birth of my son. Yes. And I've been taught that as I've gone along this past seven years that I thought, uh, and I guess it was much easier to blame the forceps during birth alone because it was like, well, this is the cause and that was the effect. It made sense to my black and white brain. But then to be educated from other guests on the show who said, well, you had chronic constipation. You were an elite athlete and runner. Having you, you probably had incontinence when you were training, and then having chronic vomiting during a year of chemotherapy. I'm mm-hmm. guessing your pelvic floor had a lot of dysfunction before you even got pregnant. And I was like, okay, okay, this is not one problem, one solution. This is a lot bigger than this, and this is why we've continued this conversation because yes, we need to talk to our girls. I guess what I'd like to do for all of us who are listening, where it's too late now, yeah, we, there is no preventative for the people listening to this. Let's jump back to the healing piece because 
I'm feeling the power of it. I'm uncertain. And I want you guys to guide, guide me and guide us on this because um, it's even hard to find the words to say the level of transformation that you can have in your head and heart even though you have not fixed physical symptoms. Um, I'll, I'll share with you both. I had this experience in December. We traveled on a family trip to New York and I was paranoid the entire time. How am I going to walk around? How am I going to explore this amazing city? Um, so my husband and I, we, we're very good now with open dialogue and talking about, well, this is the strategy. We'll do this and then we'll do that. We'll do this, we'll do that. But something happened. And this is where it sounds woo-woo to me because I can't quite articulate it. I was there. I was in my head and heart having the best time of my life. My body was exactly the same. I still felt the heaviness. I still felt uncomfortable by three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, we took more rests. Yes, I wasn't cooking and cleaning. So I can really explain those things away. But the healing piece of actually feeling good again. Mm-hmm. How do I explain that? Help me. <laughs> so green. I don't know how to say I it. I can take a stab at this and if that's okay. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, one thing that comes to me is, first of all, you know, with prolapse, your body has changed. There's been a change in your body. But you, you're, you, you, like the Hugo that you are, the energetic, beautiful soul that you are, hasn't changed. You're still the same. And so it's like you were recapturing that juice that makes you you and you were you were distracted. I mean, for one thing is you were a bit distracted from the prolapse and you were juicing around and souping around in the joy of you. You felt like you'd come back to you because you no longer at that point you weren't identifying with your prolapse, which I think is what happens as we many of us do begin to identify with our public health issue. And so you were able to reclaim you. That's, that's my take on what you just shared. And it's something that I feel a lot of my clients have said too, that when they are somewhere where they're distracted, they're not thinking about their prolapse or whatever their symptoms are, they don't have symptoms. And then when they come back to their regular life, the symptoms often come back. But so this is the hard piece. Like I love how deep we're getting here because in my mind, Brie and Kim, I think I'm brave and I'm really strong. I've been through some big picket items in life where I've pulled through and been okay. I then was questioning myself and like, well, why can't you be this strong back in Sydney then? Why is it only in New York? Because for the two days after we got home, I plummeted into the biggest, deepest depression where I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. And I've really struggled. And it took me two days to find the words to say to my husband, what is wrong with me? Why am I feeling so symptomatic right now? Why can't I be strong enough? And so I had this internal conflict with myself of what the fuck? Like, sorry to be so blunt. It was that hard. Yeah. And I like, like Kim having prolapse and being an expert, I was like, I'm in this space talking about prolapse and yet I'm not okay with this. I felt a bit like a fraud. I was like, oh, happy faces. But on the inside, I was dying. And this part of it is really hard. And I guess this was that little bit of insight that I had. My colleague said to me a Jay Shetty quote, um, and he said, location has energy and time has memory. 
that one quote, I was like, oh, okay. So it's not just me being weak. It's not just me not being strong enough compared to New York to Sydney. It's the, the location of being back home. Like you said, I'm identifying again of being a prolapsed mum. I've got the parking disability sticker in my car looking at me all the time. I've got all these things that I didn't have in New York. How do I get more of that? Exactly. This, this is the healing journey that I'm on now. Right. Yeah. And it's really, really powerful. Scarily yeah. powerful, right? Kim, what do you think? Yeah, I it, it agree wholeheartedly with bo- what both of you said. It, and it is, it's distraction. And so we need, we, we benefit from finding things that act as distractions, not, not to say like, okay, I'm just not going to think about it. And, 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 uh, you know, and not, not meaning that, but there, there is, when we are at home, as you say, you have your, the parking pass that stares at you, you have the tools maybe we use for toileting. We have the, all the fiber we're taking. We have all the, you know, all the things that we do that just remind us of this thing. And when we are outside of that, even if it's at a neighbor's house for a weekend or on a retreat or you went away with your family, whatever it is, you've removed, you've removed those things that are staring you in the face all the time. And you are now surrounded by other things that mm-hmm. are awesome. And it's a reminder to, and that's another reason why this withdrawal that happens, you know, I'm, I can't exercise, I can't do this, I can't, that is, is not serving us in the least. We, we remove all forms of capacity for joy or exposure to things that make us happy. And so distraction really is, it can be a really powerful tool. And what you said is you come home and you go into the slump because now I'm staring you in the face, but then you hear this one thing that helps you now come out and say, I just need more of what I had in New York. So what can we do? What can I do in my home to maybe remove some of the things that stare me in the face or just kind of tuck them away that they're not staring at me? Or could I go for a, a networking meeting? with other people to get out of the house or whatever. So, yes. Yeah. I, I, and I, I can share with you that I felt like I, I believed in myself at the time that by having this podcast, by writing books, by having this Brave Mama community, I was distracting myself. Um, I want to share something with you that I would love your input on. I'm not sure if distraction is what I needed. I feel like I saw this thing on Instagram and I shared it in last week's episode is that to heal, you have to allow yourself to feel. Yep. Yep. So by me allowing myself to feel devastated and disappointed and weak, I felt mentally like, why can't I fight this? I'm, I'm stronger than this and confused. And by saying how I felt to my husband, I started having this, this moment of healing. This is the woo-woo part where I'm like, okay. So what was it about New York that actually brought me a whole lot of joy? And for me, like it was, I love practical things. So I'll share with you the one practical thing that I struggle with most living with prolapse is cooking. I've tried all the meal kits. I've tried the pre-made food. I've tried the microwave food. I've tried the delivery. I've tried prepping in the morning. I've tried batch prep on a Sunday. You name it. I still physically struggle with it and then mentally struggle with it every day. So what are we now? We've just hit March. So from December when we got home, January to March, 
I have not cooked a meal. That has been That's really transformative. Healing. Yeah. It's been so healing. And then people are like, all of the, the masculine energy, but what do you do? How do you do it? Like, does your husband cook? Like, I'm like, no, we eat takeaway. We go out. Also, how do you afford that? You make it happen. That's the healing piece where if you want something mm-hmm. bad enough and you can feel that, you're like, I need more of that, you actually just find ways. Sometimes we mm-hmm. just have egg on toast. I'm, I'm done with preparing this meat and vegetable meal that I give my children because it's the right thing for a mom to do. The reality is, ladies, they never ate it. <laughs> Which made it even worse. Yes. Rest, she's in the bin every night and I'm thinking, well, I've served them. So I'm a good mom. Yes, yes, yes. But yet when we go out, they often eat the veggies because they actually taste good. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's such a that's such an amazing, that's so profound, really. It's just like, this is the one thing that is so hard for me. And I, I, I'm, you made a choice that this can't happen anymore. And now you've chosen to make it happen and other things, you know, it, it's all about choice and we can make anything we want to have happen somehow if we, you yes. know, we have to, we have to sacrifice certain things here and there, but that's so awesome. I love that. I had to let go of the judgment too, because mm-hmm. as women, the expectation is that we cook and we provide for our family while our mm-hmm. partners go to work and our children are at school. That's been hard, but at the same time, the amount of joy that it brings, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. judge me, go right ahead. You know, I think um, it was last week we did a bit of an experiment and I decided to cook because I had the guilt. It came back. But, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about the healing is not linear. It certainly is not. Here I was thinking, oh, I've got this. This is great. Oh, I feel guilty. I probably need to cook. And I did it and it was terrible. It was just the kids were all over the place. I was all over the place. I'm like, okay, that's it. No, no more. If you want to barbecue outside to my husband and it makes sense, then do it. And there's no, there's no set rule per se. It's just, let's just go with what we want. And that's been healing. So that's like one practical thing that's so outside the box. And I think both of you would have experiences with things that are healing outside the box. Do, do you oh, yeah. want to share that with us? Like something that you have done that is not your standard physio or psychology like you've done something and went wow that's really good for me yeah well can I just quickly say that I think I loved your story and I loved two things specifically about it and one is first of all it highlights all the pressure we put on ourselves as humans and I think especially as women Um, so much pressure and I always think of prolapse actually in particular as an issue of too much pressure and not enough support like mm-hmm. physically, but also emotionally and mentally too. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you were able to just find one practical thing. And it wasn't, and the other thing I want to highlight is it wasn't like some massive thing. Like it was kind of a small thing in the grand scheme. It's like cooking, uh, you know, it's, it's not that, it's not like you made this huge leap from like, oh, I'm cured. I'm going to do this to cure me now. It's like, <laughs> well, what's one small thing that I found that I, that really helped me? And it's this, and how can I make that happen? It's like, taking that little baby step, which I think is so important, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, that trying softer approach. Like you don't have to make this leap and these huge, massive changes always. It can just be the tiniest little staircase up that can make this huge difference. Um, So since I'm chatting here, I guess uh, I 
outside of the box healing practice for me, um, I feel like I feel like what comes to my mind is definitely dance. I mean, for me, pelvic tension is my main issue because that's what makes my symptoms come back. Um, And I really am prone to tension. And I think a lifetime of constipation and gut issues probably is part of that, you know, and then also being a bit of a tightly wound person. I hate that term. I hate it. But but I'm saying it simply because I've been told that so many times and, oh, you're tightly wound. And um, I know there was a film by the same name, which is wonderful because it. I think so many people can relate to being told they're tightly wound or type A personality, whatever. Yes. But I, I am and I do tend to be quite tense. And so for me, I have lots of outside of the box practices, but dance has been the most powerful for me and uh, twerking and <laughs> really, really moving my hips in fast motions, slow motions. In fact, I have the most profound emotional release by moving my hips so slowly, like almost painfully slowly in this particular dance class I was in. And it was amazing how much was stuck in there, how much energy Mm -hmm. and emotion was stuck in there. And I was just crying. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So for me, dance, for sure. Because don't they say that we hold a lot of our emotions in our pelvis? Yes. Yeah. Right. Our bellies, our pelvis, our, our hip muscles are. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I've, I've experienced it personally and seen it with lots of people as well. And there's all, you know, there's science to back that up too. A lot of it is more um, anecdotal for sure, but definitely our fight or flight muscles, some of our fight or flight muscles are our hip flexors, our psoas, our pelvic floor. You know, they're one of the first and fastest muscles to tense up when we're in fight, fight, or fight, flight, or freeze mode, you know? So, I mean, absolutely, we store stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And how about for you, Kim? Mine would be art. I, I, I love art. I've always wanted to be an artist. And there's some days when the world feels heavy that I always just say, I just want to go and move to Salt Spring where where we're going to do our retreat, but just move to Salt Spring and become an artist and have a little studio. And, um, but when I do art, it is, it is so cathartic. It is my meditation. I, 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 Nothing else that I do in my life do I ever fully immerse myself in so much that I I have no concept of time passing. I have no, I'm not feeling my body. I'm not nothing. I just am present in whatever I'm doing on, I paint most of the time. And so that is the most extraordinary calming practice, distraction, if you want to call it that too, just it it just allows me to not be here. And <clears throat> I don't mean that in a way that, again, like that we have to escape and we have to distract ourselves and not be present. I just mean that I am actually the most present I ever am in that moment because I'm thinking of nothing else than just what I'm putting on the paper. So that authentic self brings you so much joy. It, it's almost It's almost addictive, right? When you actually get a taste of it, if anyone in our community has felt that they know exactly what we're talking about. But I think for anyone who's like, what? I don't know what this means. And I can say that I've read healing books on prolapse and just think, this is rubbish. I cannot meditate this way. Right. right. Because of the headspace I was in at the time, I wasn't ready to hear it. A year on now, a year and a half since I've read that book, I'm like, okay, 
I need to read that again, actually. I need to hear that again. Let's try that again. And so I think if people are just coming with open minds. Now, I want to share with you, I think, and for me, it's writing. So I love the writing and talking, obviously, and being in that podcasting space. But for me, the biggest um, paradigm shifts I've ever had are being in a very close container because I honestly don't think you can heal and feel alone. Our thoughts do funny things to us. I think we don't disagree with them because our thoughts are who we are and we think, no, no, she's right. You've got prolapse. You can't lift baby. You're being told that. Stick to the rules. But then if you have the support network in a really close container, it's the biggest thing because you're someone's holding space for you to try those new things. Mm -hmm. They're holding space for you to open your mind and say, okay, there's another way your thoughts actually might not be serving you well. And I think I got that in my first retreat in Bali. So you can learn to write a book on YouTube. You can learn to write a book in Reddit. You can learn to write a book with a coach. But when you immerse yourself in a space that it's really hard to explain, the the energy shift is different. Mm -hmm. You feel like you don't have to have a front anymore. You don't have to be smiling and say, yeah, I love cooking. (laughs) This is who I am and I'm really showing up. And this is the reason why I wanted to obviously talk to you both at the same time is because I found out that you're running a retreat for this exact thing, for this healing process. I would love for you to talk about what things are going to happen there. What if, If someone is interested and they say, well, what is this about? what could they expect to see? I don't think we're going to know all the things that we expect to see. And and yes. they're, they're, and that's the exciting part too, is because people are going to come maybe with some expectations, maybe with no expectation, but um, <clears throat> this is the first time that we are doing a retreat together. So we, we have a lot of people who are in both of our communities yes. and, and they, we, we are very closely aligned in our approaches and yet still have things that are different. So I think that's a, a, a really cool piece. And so people will come, some have had an exposure just to Bree, some have had an exposure just to me, some to both of us, but they haven't had the exposure to the other people who will be there, the other 30 women that are going to be attending and all of the stories and the energies that they bring. And so there will be, I think there will be similar to your experience in New York, uh, like, under um uh what's the word I was thinking of just like uh kind of those like aha moments that I need more of this in my life or it's okay for me to feel this and ask for this or need support I love what you just said Brie how you know prolapse is kind of the heaviness and the 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 responsibilities and the lack of support and and we put these pressures and the pressure part and we we put pressures on us so it's it's removing some of the pressures that we may feel on that day to day and yeah. surround with people who are uh it, to help you recognize you're you're not alone in this journey mm-hmm. with a couple people that have done a couple things that we might be able to give some advice but a lot of the advice comes from the roommate you're going to be with yes. or from the quiet time that you sit by yourself or when we have meals together over the tables and the fireside chats where we're just kind of like this we're just chatting you know it doesn't have to be a structured workshop so there's I don't know all the things that are going to happen, but I know that there will be some transformations and I know that there will be some healing that happens. And I am super excited for, for what we don't know. <laughs> I love your honesty, Brie. Go ahead. Mm. 
I mean, there's so much I could say, but one thing that comes to my mind is the the not being alone thing, realizing that there are other people out there who are so much more similar to you than you might realize. And I think we tend to think that, at least I tend to think that everyone else is farther along than me. And I, you know, I just, everyone else is doing better than I am and, lo- mm. you know, these kinds of feelings. And I think that I've been to lots of retreats and every time I realize the common humanity of everyone else who's in attendance and how much we have in common and how really, even if some people seem farther ahead in some aspects, you know, th- there's really no competition here. And yeah. in some ways, they're absolutely not farther ahead, you know, mm-hmm. and we just learn so much from each other. And the other thing is in the retreats that I've been to, and I know what Kim and I have brewing and planning is there, there are usually lessons and, and learnings and teachings that go on. And a lot of times what I've noticed for myself is that in these containers, there's so much energy and oftentimes we maybe can't even take everything in at the moment or we, we don't really, we're kind of like, well, I don't know, or you're, you're stressing about other things or you're worried about what the next meal is going to be or if you pooped that morning or whatever. <laughs> you have things going on that are real life things. And sometimes you're like, am I even getting anything out of this? But what I have noticed personally is that you are. There's always so much brewing under the surface. And oftentimes when I come home, it's in the weeks following that that's where I really get so much. I just went on a couple's retreat with my husband in Mexico about a week and a half ago. And even just today, I was like, light bulb moment, boom, something came to my mind that I learned at the retreat that was just so relevant to helping our, our marital relationship. And it's it's that stuff that just comes at you even after the you know physical event mm-hmm. is powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we've talked about that exact same thing today, that your healing journey is not going to be, oh, great, I listened to this episode and now I'm done. It right. doesn't work right. that way. And I think this is that openness piece that people need to say, okay, I don't, and I don't think any woman would put their hand up and say, I love living with prolapse. I'm great. Right. We've all got this need to want to feel better, wherever that is on your journey. If you are, you know, later in life and you think, well, I've lived with this for 40 years now, what's the point? The point is you matter. And the point is you deserve to bloody feel better for, for, for every minute of your life that you are still on this planet. It's worth it. And I want our listeners I really want everyone to listen to know that you absolutely matter and you're so important and prolapse is hard it's something that healing from that mindset of the back foot like being on the back foot of oh now I've got prolapse I can't I can't I can't do this healing through that and moving to a place of feeling joy for extended periods of time just like with painting and dancing and writing when you experience that for the first time you will want more of it Uh Uh and I think retreats no matter where you are what you're doing if it's with you or if it's with someone else retreats allow you to to have more of that Uh well I think that they also validate you without drawing you down into the it's like they validate you but they also show you the light you know, and they help you. I mean, one of my favorite things that I learned from one of my mentors, Tammy Kent, is, and other people I've, I've studied under as well, I love the idea of neutralizing, 
neutralizing the charge around whatever it is that you're working with, whether it's prolapse or something else, neutralizing it without minimizing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, so it's not like you're saying this is not a big deal or just don't worry about it or sweep it under the rug. You're not minimizing it. You're validating it, but you're also neutralizing the charge, taking out some of the scary charge, taking out some of the fearful charge. And I think that there's so much work you can do um, on your own, in retreat, in group settings that can help with that. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I'm so grateful for both of you for coming and just sharing and opening this door for us because I know that this community is, you know, is, has heard enough of the, the how-tos and yeah. the whys, but now let's work into how do you bring that into practice. And I just am so grateful that you were able to come and share this with us. And I want the conversation to continue. So if you're open to it, Maybe after the retreat, let's regroup and say, okay, so what were some of the things that some of the participants, obviously protecting their identity, found were helpful? Because if we can share that with our audience, it gives everyone an idea, well, I can maybe do that, right? thousand percent. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. Love that. Yeah. 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 And Mm -hmm. just putting it out there. Next retreat, can you like swim by Australia? I was just going to say. We, we sort of, you know, this is our first retreat, but we've talked about, hey, we can, the world is, mm-hmm. the world is so, a, a, an amazing place and, and where else can we take this? So I love that Bali, idea. you will have a sellout straight away because yeah. I mm-hmm. think Bali for us is like our neighbor. A lot of yeah. people love to go to Bali. Yes, please. Bali yep. is next. Well, I'm, I'm going there in May for, a, for another, for a completely <laughs> unpelvic health related event, but I'll be there and also have to get there and I'm already scoping out places. So good. Stay tuned. Let's do it. Thank you both so much for time and here's Thank to you. own healing journey, however it looks to them. Thank you for your work, Steph. Thanks for having us. Chances are, if you can still hear my voice, you are a dedicated podcast listener. And I would like to bet that one day you might even like to start your own podcast too. Today's episode was brought to us by our podcast partner at Podbean. They are home to over 600,000 podcasts and Podbean is your one-stop shop for everything that you'll need to start your own podcast. So whether you're in a studio just like me or you're out on the go, the Podbean tools allow you to record, upload, and promote your podcast in a matter of minutes. You can download the free Podbean app and get started today. And if you use the code BRAVEMUM30, you can also get the first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. So until next week, bye for now.